Welcome to the Pod 20, the countdown of the most popular podcasts in the world right now. I'm Graham Mack, and my guests this week include Lewis James from My Melodies of Life, the podcast about the music in video games. The Pod 20 is heard on podcast radio on DAB in the UK, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms, and as a podcast itself. Let's get into the chart now, and at number 20, Something Was Wrong, the award-winning true crime docuseries. Series 13, episode 6 is called Natalia, Absolutely Terrified. 19. Distractable. Thoughtful discussions about funny, out there, or otherwise interesting stories about real life. The latest episode is called Who's the Worst? 18. The Matt Walsh Show. Matt gives you a no-holds-barred take on today's cultural, religious, and political issues. Episode 972 is called The LGB Cult Silences Dissent. 17. On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Fascinating conversations with the most insightful people in the world. Jay's latest guest is the entrepreneur Gary V who talks about living without judgment and how to stop beating yourself up when you make mistakes. 16. Real Perspective It's a movie and TV review podcast. One of the hosts is Michael Moray. Michael, some of the Real Perspective podcasts start with music and some don't. Why is that and where does the music come from? So the music comes from actually the previous co-host of those before and after uh, review podcasts. Uh, that was Corey Tyndall's work. He's a musician. He right. uh, goes and makes his own music. So he went and provided different uh, soundtracks to the podcast. Uh, there's really no rhyme or reason for sometimes why some episodes get right into it. I, I wish I could go and uh, reveal that there's some secret magic behind it. But sometimes, sometimes we just want to go and get straight into the episode without the long intro. And so then other times we don't. But uh, uh, I'll go in, if, if it helps, I'll go and add a backstory later or something like that. I'll just completely make up something. Um, this, this is a secret sauce. <laughs> does does secret Real Perspective story. make you any money, Michael? No, it, it doesn't. It's just a pure passion project for all of us. The way that we look at it. It keeps is, it honest. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and also, yeah, I mean, if there was a sponsor, then sure, we'd be fine with that. But um, <laughs> no, Okay. We, okay. We, it's available. We, uh, enjoy it. We enjoy just doing it. This is something that we would do for free. Um, so this is something that we record for free. So if you were going to go down the line of, of monetizing it, you'd be thinking more of sponsorship than say Patreon? You know, that's actually an interesting uh, route. We never have discussed uh, exactly what we would do with that. I think um, Patreon would be something that we'd be considering at one point, but we just never have gotten around to it. And, and the other issue is, is that due to the nature of Hollywood, thanks to the pandemic, we feel like if we were going to ask for people's money, we need to have more consistent output. And with the sporadic nature of, of movies being released these days, we're not quite in that zone yet where you have something every single weekend to go and cover. So you you wait you wait till there's a movie worth talking about. You don't go like we're we've got a schedule of we're going to do this many podcasts a month or whatever it is. You actually it's supply and demand. It's it's on a demand basis then. That's right. We'll only go and cover something if we think that there's some sort of value that we'll get. Either it doesn't have to be necessarily a movie that we think we're going to like or a movie that we think that we're going to hate. It's just a movie that we think we can have a good discussion about. And we're not going to force ourselves to watch something that uh, we don't feel passionate about 
in either in either direction because it won't produce a good discussion in our opinion. I mean, it's like pulling teeth at that point. Yeah, I suppose if you did monetize it, though, at least your your movie tickets could be a tax write off. I don't know, there'd be that advantage. <laughs> that, that's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> yeah, and do you when you review them, do you watch them projected in a theater, or do you do you get like uh, you know sample DVDs like the Oscar judges do? Or, or, oh, or, or watch it through a pirate streaming service. If you, but then I'm not going to. Actually, a lawyer uh, no is not going to admit to that. I'm okay. A prosecutor, that, so that, that, that yeah, that's not now. fair. That's not fair. But, <laughs> but 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 do do you watch it in a theater projected as as a? Because I know there are there are certain review podcasts and well, there's a lot of film critics in the world, and not all of them watch it in theaters projected. And I always wonder if if that's really cheating I, and i was just I, I was all right i'm setting you up now do you cheat or do you watch them in theaters <laughs> projected <laughs> no i my preference is to always try to watch it in a theater if possible uh okay now, obviously there's some movies that we might go and cover after they've been out of the theater run but if we if we can we'll try to watch in a the theater we don't get screeners generally and so i think that watching it in a theater provides the best experience it's also something to go and comment on when you're reviewing a movie is how is this landing with the audience? How does, how is the anecdotally, uh, how are these themes working or how is this, the scene playing out? And so I think it's really important to go and see uh, firsthand what it's like in, in that kind of experience. Yeah. Get the audience's reaction. I suppose even mm. more so with something that may be a comedy or, or certainly but movies with emotional content, you can see yes. when it doesn't work. If, if you're surrounded yeah. by people just munching on things and sweet rappers, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. I think your comedies and, and your horror movies, you need to go and see it with other people so you can get your reaction. Cause I'm, I'm a fairly like stoic person. I would say uh, when I watch a movie, when some of my friends go and criticize me for like, just having my arms crossed, like entertain me um, when I'm watching it. And it's not really like how I'm processing it. It's just, I, I just don't have like visible reactions sometimes to things, but seeing somebody else's reaction to it helps me kind of evaluate it. And I think that's really cool to go and see. Yeah. Real Perspective is at number 16 this week on the pod 20. At 15, Behind the Bastards. The worst humans in history. The latest episode is about Harlan Carter, the man who militarized America's police and the NRA. 14. Today Explained. Your all killer, no filler, news explainer. 13. Fringe Network. Alien State. Publicly, the US government once called UFOs a waste of time. But new evidence and uncovered documents prove that Washington is, and always has been, very interested in the UFO phenomenon. 12. Love Island, The Morning After. The only official Love Island podcast. Number 11. The Reset Rebel. The podcast from the island of Ibiza, presented by Joe Yule. Joe, you got stranded in India during the pandemic apocalypse, but you eventually made it back to Ibiza, which is probably a safer place to be right now than Britain. What with the threat of nuclear war here because of the latest apocalypse in Ukraine? Yeah, I really, that the current apocalypse is so much worse than the previous one in my, yeah, in my opinion, in some ways. I mean, obviously there's a lot of death going to be involved on both sides of the coin, but I feel like the current situation is is just absolutely devastating, really, on, on so many levels. And um, 
yeah, I just feel it's just a horrible, horrible mess, really. And everyone just feels so powerless and just kind of sitting back and watching. And it, you know, really, it just feels like Afghanistan was like the first instalment of that to watch, you know, what happened there, really, with the Taliban taking over. And now, and now this has come up. And it's, yeah, it's like, as you say, it just feels like there's been a real cycle of just extreme events coming up recently, which you just kind of feel, as I said, you know, you just cannot cannot do anything. Um, which yeah, is- and I, I went to bed last night trying to think positive because they said, oh, they're, they're going to do talks tomorrow. There's going to be talks tomorrow because talks is the only way this will stop. So I thought, okay, they've got talks tomorrow. Let's focus on that. Let's not focus on the nukes pointed at Britain right now. Let's focus on that. And then today I hear that the talks, well, I only heard from the Ukrainian side, but they said, oh, there's, there's no common ground. And I'm thinking, there's no common ground. How about neither side wants any more killing? Isn't that common ground? Can't you start there? I'm always reminded, I years and years ago, when I was freelance for radio and I wanted to get a better deal, I bought a talking book on cassette, as they were back then. And it was about negotiating. And it said, you know, you should always go for the common ground. And it talked about how at some stage, the pro-life and the pro-choice, you know, pro and anti-abortion in America were put in a room together and said, look, you've got to find some common ground. And the first thing they said was, well, there is none because we couldn't be further apart on this issue. And then they said, well, we're not going to let you out until you come up with some common ground. And they did. And their common ground was they both agreed to both work together to reduce teenage pregnancy. And I thought, well, yeah, you know, if you're going to if you're going to negotiate a peace, surely you've got to have find some common ground. And there is common ground between Ukraine and Russia. And that is nobody wants any more killing, surely. So if you start with that, with what you agree on, instead of starting with what you don't agree on, maybe the talks could move forward. And then that was like the, the only thing. And I thought, OK, it's so sad because both ends don't seem to see any common ground from the other side when surely to stop the killing would be like the first piece of common ground both sides could share. And I, I hope they work it out. Well, we all hope that they work it out, but it's just, it's tragic beyond belief, isn't it? It's hard to, to get your mind on anything else. Every now and again, you, it keeps coming back to you and haunting you. And you feel this desperation in the pit of your stomach that not only what the, the, the atrocities and the, the, the bad stuff that's going on there, but just how this thing reverberates around the world and changes the relationship between, you know, the West and Russia f- forever. And just, it's, it's quite scary too. The Reset Rebel is at number 11 this week on the Pod 20. Into the top 10 now, and at number 10, Hidden Brain. Shankar Vedantam uses science and storytelling to reveal the unconscious patterns that drive human behavior. The latest episode is called, Why You're Smarter Than You Think. 9. Fox News Radio, Owly Newscast. The latest news from the fastest-growing radio news network. 8. The Jordan Harbinger Show. In-depth conversations with people at the top of their game. In episode 685, Jordan talks to the private detective, Steve Rambam, about the real life of a private investigator. 7. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. After 25 years at the late night desk, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests, 
So he started a podcast to fix that. 6. My Melodies of Life Lewis James hosts a podcast about the music and video games. Lewis, you're more than qualified to talk about this because you're a composer. I am, yes. Tell us how you got into that. Uh, so yeah, it started off when I was about um, six years old, primary school. I remember um, a guest speaker coming in from an assembly, um, displaying all these different instruments because it was around that time in a childhood's life where um, you would consider if you want to learn an instrument, now's a good time. Because yeah, you're at well, that the younger the better. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and uh, I've always been fascinated by music as a kid. Like whenever my father would put on a cassette tape in the car and just play some classic pop tune in the background. I would just get mesmerized by all the different components. I listened to the bass line, I listened to the harmony, and I'm just thinking about how does this all work? It's all so magical. Um, and then uh, I remember having big problems holding my breath whenever I go swimming. So yeah. I always have these like big, like paddy life jackets on, you know, the ones. Um, yeah. And, um, and I always said to myself, if I'm going to learn an instrument, I am not going to learn one that requires breathing because no way I'm going to do that. I'm already rubbish. <laughs> so I picked the trombone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, and I remember like two weeks into it, the, the, the reason I picked the trombone is because I love the slide. Yeah. Um, because I knew everything else was quite stiff regarding... Um, notes because always one you can't bend other, them i think yeah guitar no, you can exactly. bend notes and and harmonica if you get the right if you play cross harp you can bend notes mm. but there aren't that many instruments where you can bend notes yeah 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 and then about three weeks into learning it i recognized the mouthpiece i'm like i just broke my own promise ah <laughs> but um <laughs> uh but it but was there a, was there a particular trombonist that inspired you? Glenn Miller was a trombonist, wasn't he? Um, no, that actually that actually came up quite later when um, I I thought to myself, if I'm going to get better, I might as well do some research into um, trombonists and um, how they develop. And yeah. I it came into a it got me to a really fascinating story. Who who's uh, the musician's name? For, um, forget I for, completely forget. But um, I think she was deaf, and the only way she could recognize what note she was playing and how loud she was playing it was through uh, vibrations, through the mouthpiece, and from the floor, along right. with the rest of the orchestra. And she was one of the best in the world. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So it just shows you there's, there's really nothing can hold you back if you really want to do it. Or if it's yeah, there, exactly. you know, it's in you. Hmm. Well, let's move on to the, the podcast. So you've got this background in music. You're a musician. Hmm. You're a composer, so you were always interested in how it came together. So I'm guessing arrangements is part of what you do, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then you decide to do a podcast, and the podcast, My Melodies of Life, it's, about, it's a very specific niche in the music business. It is the music from video games. Yes. Why? Well, first of all, what attracted you to the soundtracks of video games? Um, uh, I'm slightly older now. I'm I'm probably about nine years old now. Um, I uh, I remember visiting my aunt, and uh, she had a PlayStation. I didn't get one myself for another couple of years. Um, but whenever someone had a console at their house, whenever I visit them, I've always gets attracted to that. 
uh, because I see the controller, I see the buttons, and I'm just like, oh, I can actually control what's going on the screen. I actually, in a way, it kind of hypnotized me <laughs> to actually un like get to live the world that's on the screen apart from uh, instead of when you could see a TV show or a film, you just had to experience what's on there and you can't really influence it. And, um, and bear in mind, it was in 1999, so the graphics weren't really that great at the time, but as a nine-year-old, I did not care. Um, but uh, I remember playing a game called Pandemonium, and it was so colorful, so, um, so abs exotic that... Um, the, the cat and the characters themselves were so in your face you can't help but pay attention to it and the music that accompanied it was fantastic and as i got older i saw final fantasy 8 for the first time that blew me out of the water <laughs> because you, you hear orchestra as soon as you start playing you hear this orchestra and you see this shot of a beach with waves coming through with a choir singing in time with the waves. Mm -hmm. And I, and then the camera just zooms into the horizon and you hear the dun 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 And I was like, oh my God! Because <laughs> for anybody um, who doesn't know, the music in video games these days is every bit as big and as well produced as movie soundtracks, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, now it is, yeah. yeah. And um, this was at that breaking point where movie soundtracks and game soundtracks start to merge. Yeah. Because you can hear full-on orchestras playing main themes. And even though as you go into the game, there may be some of that digital um, influence with like sampling. synthesizers and stuff like that, with sampling and MIDI um, instruments and stuff like that. Um, by the time you get to the climax or the ending, the um, the orchestra starts to come in again, and then you hear you feel this respite that you tend to get with a satisfactory ending. Yeah, and um, and uh, it 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 just completely blew me away, and I kind of um, stuck with that without realizing that it was the music that fascinated me in the first place until a lot later when i started yeah. to uh, figure out what i wanted to do in the future during my teenage years i was figuring out my gcse's and my a levels when i was done with them and i just thought to myself hold on maybe i could be a really good composer <laughs> because I, I just naturally ended up doing my own thing when um, i was asked to create uh, something as part of an exercise in a music class and i just ended up um, completely blowing up the competition with the rest of the classroom. And I just had this epiphany in my head thinking, why didn't I realize this sooner? I should really focus on this. <laughs> yeah. My Melodies of Life is at number six this week on the pod 20. At five, my favorite murder with Karen Gilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. Karen and Georgia tell each other their favorite tales of murder and hear crime stories from fans. Number four. Persona, the French deception. What does it feel like to pick up the phone and scam someone out of $50 million? This is the story of one of the greatest con artists of all time. 3. The Ben Shapiro Show 
American politics for right-wing wackos. Number two, Morbid, a true crime podcast. Creepy history and all things spooky, hosted by an autopsy technician and a hairstylist. And at number one... WTF with Mark Marin. Mark's guest this week is the comedian Greg Proops. The plan is to uh, make objective reality and not a shared thing anymore. That the reality right. that, that you're fed is the reality that you believe. Like, for instance, you know, uh, to, to go back to being po- political. Yeah. Um, uh, there was some idiotic thing I saw on Twitter today, of course, on ABC News that said a lot of people don't believe as much as they used to that Trump put January 6th together and that it was a seditious coup. Right. And it's like, well, what does that mean? That a lot of people don't believe as much as they did a few months ago. Or, or yesterday. What, I mean, what, what, but what, they, what measure are we using here? Whether there's any measure at all, that piece of clickbait yes. will go into the head and then reconfigure out you know, whatever synapses were built around. Right. That. Nobody knows what happened yesterday. Jesus Christ, when Will slapped Chris, people yeah. were, they were talking about it like it was the towers falling. Yeah. Like, will we ever recover? Yeah, yeah. we will. Yeah. That the worst that could happen is we'll never have to sit through another Oscars. <laughs> Which I've never understood anyway. The, and the idea that you're supposed to hip up the Oscars and do all these weird things to well, it. Well, yeah, if they're like, going to make it look like a nightclub, get better bouncers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> also, I loved all the dancing and singing. Yeah. But then when they did the, the tribute to the poor people who passed away, yeah. and there was a bunch of people that really deserved a, sure. a tribute, sure. including Ed Asner, who was skipped over completely, yeah. uh, who was actually one of the most decent, wonderful, kind human beings that was ever in show business. Sure. Uh, and then they didn't got a little dicey with the uh, you know with the inside job thing, but right. outside so, of that, sometimes yeah. yeah. But I mean, like uh, they had the dancing and the singing over that, yeah. and it was like, see, this is a moment when you might take just two seconds to calm down yeah. and let it be quiet. Or, or, yeah, or, quiet. or stop trying to get people excited. Uh, that's the thing. It's like you, I went to a ball game the other day, week in Canada. Oh, you're, big, tr- you're a big ball game guy. Yeah, and I yeah. went to the ball game in Canada just to see a game, and it was fun. And the music was so loud between every batter that I had to, I was with a, our tour manager, uh, I, I couldn't talk to him. I had to wait till the music stopped and then go blah, 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 blah. So you're supposed to be talking about stuff yeah. in a ball game, whether it's baseball or your life or whatever it's you're talking about. It's a relaxing about. afternoon. Right? The ball and it's game. Just, yeah. Uh, like, I didn't come to a baseball game to get hyped out of my mind. If I wanted to take crank and, and get wild, I would yeah. do that on my own. Like, baseball is supposed to be, at its best, boring, punctuated by moments of excitement. Yeah. It's not a video game. Yeah. The whole world isn't... Like, as much as I love Keanu Reeves or whatever, and I think he's a nice person and a fun star, yeah. Yeah. the John Wick movies to me are like watching... Uh, one of those yeah. video games where people keep sure. getting shot in the yeah. eye and stabbed in the face. It's amusement park. A thousand ride. times yeah, yeah. in a minute and yeah. a thousand times in a minute. It's like, so then they, they tarred it up by having Lawrence Fishburne and, and Ian McShane and yeah, yeah. Halle Berry, whatever. They throw in every character actor in the world and give it a little bit of gravity and a little bit of uh, art direction yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. And then they go right back to shooting people in the eye every sure, two seconds. Sure. And you're like, well, this movie could have plot and character and you could actually. And I feel like that's what they've done with everything with comedy. With uh, 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 um, politics, oh yeah, with news, yeah. There's no. If we don't agree that there's an objective reality, January sixth happened. The man who led a violent coup and he did everything he could to organize, and including 
getting to the point where they were going to try to order armed troops to, to gather up the ballots and stop the count. And all of this happened. It really didn't not happen. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't live in a van. I don't think John Lennon ordered Bigfoot yeah. to, you know. This is to- actually the truth, which is fundamentally and, and uh, spectacularly more interesting than a conspiracy theory. Yes. And whether you believe it or not, or whether ABC News wants to report that less people believe it than they did, alters the facts of it not one jot. Yeah. He threatened to kill his vice president and have him hung. We know that because we know it was reported I, that he I, said it. There were people there that were going to kill Pelosi. Yep. And kill Pence. Yes. And Mark Short, who's Pence's chief of staff, said on the day, the day before, that they were ready for action. And you know if that Pence said on the day when they hustled him into the car that he was worried about the actual Secret Service agents that hustled him into the car. And he was like, which ones are you? Yeah. Are you the ones who are going to give me the ride, the mafia ride? Yeah, yeah. Or are you actually going to protect me and do your job? Because we know the Secret Service was completely infiltrated by right-wing lunatics. Yeah. This isn't seven days in May with Kirk... And I went back for a reference that's so f***ing old, no one will even get it. <laughs> it's a movie about the the, the government being taken but over so, by the military. But, but so what what we're saying is that in, in retrospect, even with the January 6th yeah. commission, the panel you know, investigating this thoroughly, that most of the country has moved on. The apathetic no. people have moved on. The people yeah. that didn't give to begin with have moved on the right has been spinning this every way they can to sort of take away any teeth out of it but the truth is the truth but you know it now that is such a small piece of the pie yeah that you know it'll just become yesterday's news rather quickly Mm. it doesn't matter to anybody and all politics political discourse has just been uh you know wrestling promos yeah that's and trolling that's that's what an entire political party that is what they are now. They are nothing but. The Republican Party exists to be an autocratic party that will take over the government and do whatever they like with it at the behest of all of their crappy masters, whether they're billionaires or Russia or whoever you yeah. want to think is calling the shots on this. Right. And they really don't have another goal. I mean, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Biebert and Paul Gozar and Matt Gates and all them, yeah. they don't exist uh, as politicians. Yeah. They're uh, uh, trolls. Yeah, they're, they're not there to enact legislation. But then having said that, neither are Mitch McConnell and all the big lights of the party. Grassley, whoever you want to say, uh, uh, Graham, um, Cruz, whatnot. They're not there to enact policy either. They're there to obstruct policy. Um, it's horrible to come back and think of the, the book that I read in eighth grade, 1984, contained so many profound truths and that Orwell knew everything about fascism, having fought against the fascists in Spain and then watched England go from what he perceived at the beginning of the war as an anti-fascist nation yeah. to a nation that completely embraced fascism yeah. and had identity cards and were stopping people on the street by the the late 40s. And, and now there is sort of an element of, of actual horrible fear to it in that you know, somebody in a militia, you know, you know, uh, you know, hogtied a yep. judge. Yes. In what, Wisconsin, was yeah. it? Yeah. And is, and and executed him. Yeah. And he had a list. And with all this, you know, the sort of gun violence is that, you know, I had somebody, you know, I'm doing this new joke mm-hmm. that like I, I, I sort of showcase for everybody to make sure no one else was doing it, even though there was only a handful of people that would even really consider doing it. Yeah. And it's just a bit that, you know, I'm referring, I'm trying to. To, to rebrand um, the pro-choice approach to sort of, you, you know, uh, to, to maybe get Christians to look at it differently. And I, I think abortion clinic is, you know, it's medical, yeah. and it's scary, but if we called them uh, angel factories... <laughs> 
<laughs> and I and I brought that up on the podcast the other day yeah. just because I want to make sure that I, I have yeah. it and I'll, I'll burn it out because I'm so excited about saying it. Right. But some woman just tweets this sort of, I, I, I wouldn't do that. You remember what happened to Kathy Griffin. So now there's this. I think oh, that's right. Like, you're supposed to be afraid. to Right, man. The, the fear like, of you saying your truth is going to get you banned or put on a no-fly list or someone's going to physically threaten you. Well, yeah, but it, but the right specifically, like, yeah. I, you know, like you can get, you know, in trouble anyway yeah. if you, you, you know, if you do something inappropriate and you know if you if you use language that offends people there will be consequences you mm-hmm. can use it you know most of the people that get canceled you know it's usually for sexual impropriety it's not yeah. because they said something oh for, no it's never because they said something you know i mean they might get some flack yeah and that passes exactly or it makes you more famous sure and and most of us are, are just sort of like we just want to do our little thing yeah WTF with Mark Maron, number one this week on the Pod 20. And that's it for episode 111. Thanks to this week's guests, Michael Moray, Joe Yule, Lewis James, Greg Proops, and Mark Maron. Next week, my guest is Anna Wheeling from the podcast The Positive. In the meantime, you can watch extended video chats with my guests on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And what will happen on the podcast radio chart next week? Will your favourite make it to number one? You can influence the chart. Make a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. I'm Graham Mack, and I hope you can listen to the Pod 20 every Friday at 5pm and across the weekend on Podcast Radio. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more.